Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are continuing our study of the book of Daniel, uh, the book of Daniel, and we are up to chapter 11. 11 is a continuation of 10. If you remember, Daniel was standing by the Tigris River, the Chidekel, and he saw a vision of, of an angel dressed in gold and linen with a fiery angel with fire coming out of his eyes and speaking loudly. And he had told Daniel that he is going to tell you, Daniel, the truth, the truth about the future. He also ended by the last chapter 10 by saying that he he has been struggling, presumably on behalf of Daniel's people, the people of Israel, against the powers and forces of Persia and the only way he was able to best the powers of Persia was by uh, with the aid of Michael of the another angel named Michael presumably the angel that had appeared to Daniel in this way that was telling him this is the angel Gabriel Gabriel who he saw earlier and he was only able to fight uh, the Persians uh, the Persian influence um, with with the aid of Michael, and I translated last time, and I was going along with the understanding of Maimonides of what an angel is. That an angel is not an an actual being, but rather it's an appearance that the that the prophet, in this case Daniel, sees in his vision, and and through which uh, a message from God is delivered to Daniel, and it is delivered through that that image that he sees for a reason. That image means something. There's a meaning behind that. And the name of that person, or not a person, of that image that is appearing to the prophet also means something. And that's why I translated that he required Michael. Michael means, in order to fight Persia, he needed Michael. The name means, who is like God himself? In other words, what Gabriel was saying, or the vision that appeared to be Gabriel was saying to Daniel was, that that only with God, only with God, him, the power of God Himself, was I able to conquer the Persians. Which then, therefore, would be translated to Daniel as a very clear message that only God will be able to redeem the people of Israel. It won't be through power or strength or any other way. Now, the 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 um. <clears throat> The uh, angel is going to continue speaking. The angel, presumably Gabriel, is going to continue speaking to Daniel in 11 and give him the bulk of this prophecy. Now, this prophecy is very unique of all, pretty much of the entire Bible, in the sense that it is a prophecy about the future, and it's extremely detailed. If you recall, we studied together many prophets, and in general, the, when the prophets speak about the future, they speak about it in grand, sweeping ter- terms. You know, there's going to be peace among the world, the wolf and the lamb are going to rest, sit together, and, and, and there's going to be a day of redemption, or a day of reckoning, a day of punishment of the wicked, and so on. But it's extremely rare that they go into the details of this king and that versus that king and this war and that war and the other thing which we're about to study. Uh, it's rather long, this chapter. And it's also with numbers and dates and times. I'm going to tell you right now what my approach is going to be. Uh, it's consistent with my approach all, uh, 
so far in this book, but I want this is really important to understand how I'm going to be reading this chapter. Most of the commentators tend to identify the events that we're about to read and the descriptions of what's going to happen in the future, and they identify them with historical events that occurred after the days of Daniel himself. Whether it's Alexander the Great, or whether it's Ptolemy, or whether it's uh, Antiochus, or whether it's uh, the Roman Empire, or whether it's the Islamic Empire, or whether people in in modern days will try to apply these lessons to even modern modern, uh, uh, empires and kings and leaders and, and movements and so on. What I think is, is that that approach is both very right and very wrong. And I'll explain what I mean. Remember, and it's crucial to remember, that these visions were a response to Daniel's prayer. If you recall, Daniel had prayed several chapters ago because he had calculated that the 70 years of the exile should be ended, and they weren't ended, and therefore he came to God with a, a prayer. This vision that he received in chapter 10 that we read about and that we learned about in the last podcast also was a response to the fact that Daniel was upset because he saw that Cyrus began the redemption. He started allowing the Judeans to go back to Judah to rebuild the temple, but then he withdrew his support. So Daniel was nervous and anxious and upset that he didn't see the events unfolding the way he imagined them to be unfold, that that they would unfold. He imagined there would be a a redemption from the exile. The people would come out of the exile and rebuild the temple and everything would be glorious once again. So Daniel himself was very upset about the fact that he didn't see the specific things in history that he was expecting or wanted or desired for the people. The message that the... um, What's going to happen in chapter 11 is that the angel is going to answer Daniel a whole lot of specifics and details. And at the end of it all, it's going to be clear that what the angel doesn't want Daniel to really identify all of these very specific details with specific episodes in the history of the future. What he's saying is that, Daniel, relax you will not know or understand or and certainly not be able to predict every single thing that's going to happen in the future and how it's all going to end because there's a long way to go and what's going to happen is there's going to be kings like this and kings like that and there's going to be wars over here and there's going to be wars like that and there's going to be all kinds of things that are going to happen so in the sense when the commentaries identify these events with specific events they're right in the sense that what Daniel was learning is that this is the course of human history. Kings rise, kings fall. Kingdoms rise, kingdoms fall. Evil happens, evil uh, good happens. Um, sometimes evil wins out over good, sometimes good wins out over evil. But ultimately, only the kingdom of God will last forever. This is the lesson. So by telling Daniel all of these details, the point is not that we should try to identify this particular event with this particular event and this particular prediction with this particular event because these predictions are are predictions that are discussing many events that happen throughout the cycle of history and so on. 
And at the end of it all, you'll see in chapter 12 where Daniel himself, he, he finally he got the answer he was looking for. I'm asking for details, but then I looked at all the details Daniel will tell us in chapter 12, and we're going to study that together soon enough. But I still don't understand it. And then the angel is going to say, that's the whole point. The whole point is you shouldn't be asking me about specific details, about numbers, about this. But your job is to have trust and faith in God and continue to serve and worship Him. Continue to do what you're supposed to do. And, don't, and there will, the history will go on. There will be suffering. There will be joys. There will be victories. There will be losses. There will be all kinds of things happening until the final day when the kingdom of, of God Himself will finally be established. So I am, the only, the only, in some places I might mention which events some of the uh, verses are, are often associated with, but I, I, you know, especially in the beginning where it's, um, where it's obvious because the, the verses themselves state that, but I want you to understand that the bulk of what we're about to read I am not going to translate like most common, like many of the commentators do, and say, "Well, this is referring to the Ptolemaic Empire." Uh, 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 empire. This is referring to Antiochus Epiphanes. Of uh, this is referring to so and so and so on. I'm not going to do that because, because, because these events are actually not meant to, to predict those specific times, those specific act things. These events that are being told to Daniel are are being told to him. And almost in order to teach him that these are not the right questions to be asking. You shouldn't be asking me about how many years for this and how many days for that and which country is going to happen this and when are we going to be redeemed. But rather, you should be, rather than asking those questions, you should be understanding that this is the wheel of history and it's our job to remain faithful throughout no matter what. So let's start to learn. This chapter. Remember, the angel Gabriel is talking. And I, during the first year of Darius the Mede, who was a questionable character in terms of the secular history, because we're not exactly sure who he was from the secular sources, but he came up several times in um, in. Uh, in, in the book of Daniel, and it seems like he was uh, some like a transitional figure between uh, either in the early days when, when Persia was starting to had conquered Babylon or, or right before Persia had conquered Babylon. But, but in the, the first year of Darius the Mede, Oslo, I took my stand, I, I stood up to strengthen Darius the Mede. In other words, um, uh, this was remember. This is the angel saying. That, in other words, I empowered, I helped the forces of Persia, being led by Darius the Mede. Um, I helped empower them so that they would conquer and rule over Babylon. I was on their side at that time. Viata, and now I met Agidlach. I'm going to tell you the truth. There are three more kings that are going to stand and rule Persia, and then there will be a fourth, that Ya'ashir Osher Gadol Mikol, who's going to be extremely wealthy, and because of all of his, uh, his power and strength and wealth, he is going to um, challenge the, um, the kingdom of Greece. Now, 
this prediction we've already had. We've seen Persia as a ram getting attacked by the flying unicorn, which represented Greece. So this, this, in this particular case, the verse is specifically talking about a specific event in history. Daniel, standing at the time of Darius the Mede, is looking down into the future and saying, yes, there will be a bunch of more kings. That's what three kings mean. Persia has a way to go. But Daniel would have been aware that at this point that there's another kingdom that's starting to get, get um, more and more powerful and that's growing in the land of Greece. And, and that one of these days there's going to be a confrontation between the two. And when that happens, Vyamad Melech Gibar, there will be a very strong king, a king of Greece, Umashal Mimshal Ravya Sakirtsono. He will do, he will be a great leader and he'll do whatever he wants. He'll be the strongest ever. So in other words, Greece is going to produce a king who's going to come and, and take over Persia and that will be the end of the reign of the Persian Empire. So this, obviously the commentaries that identify, almost virtually everyone identifies this with Alexander the Great, who was from Macedonia um, uh, and a part of the Greek Empire who, who, who defeated the Persian King Darius several generations later after Daniel was speaking. Now, this same prediction we also had with the flying unicorn, we had it in several places. And um, so, so this, this, is, this is a prediction of a specific event. But it's also a prediction, you know, it's, if you imagine Daniel sitting here looking and saying, yes, there, I see the Greek empire is going to present a challenge to Persia. And at some point, Greece, is going to have a king that's going to use the special um, power, skills, might of the Greek Empire and eventually conquer Persia. But it's something that also happens in the cycle of history. Nations get greater and greater and greater and wealthier and they become grand and rich and arrogant. And once you're arrogant, right, that's when the fatal flaw comes and your enemy can take you down. And when this powerful king does conquer Persia, eventually his kingdom is going to break up and it will be divided into the four directions of the heaven. Now again, we had this before also where the horn of the unicorn broke into four pieces. We had, we had references to the four kings all the way in almost many of the, the Daniel's visions, even the one that he interpreted for Nebuchadnezzar in the second chapter of the book, where the statue represented four kingdoms. In Daniel's um, visions and, and, and his speeches and, and, and in his teachings, the four kings spread around the world represent kings from all over of all different types. That's what how he envisions four is the number, like saying there's the north, south, east, and west, and this one has this special thing, this one has this special thing, this one has this either good or bad thing about him, and so on. Four is a symbol of the kingdom being broken up into pieces all around the world, and there are four different types and different styles of kings. Now, the commentaries identify this with the breakup of Alexander's kingdom into four parts after he passed away. But again, that's not the point that Daniel's trying to make here. Daniel's trying to, uh, that's not the point that Daniel's hearing Gabriel make in his vision, but rather the point that Daniel sees is that there's going to be a great king, but 
and he'll be mighty and powerful and he'll beat the Persian Empire. But then he's gonna, his kingdom is gonna crack, and in the end, it's gonna scatter again to be four different ones. And but that this will not happen um, at the end of uh, his own kingdom. One way of understanding that means, in other words, not during his lifetime. But and but these four kingdoms will not rule like he ruled. Because his kingdom, the big kingdom that he established, will not last, and and um, and it will end up belonging to other people uh, besides those four. So it will break into four, and then there will be those four will break, and different people will be control, and other people will win and lose, and so on. And then now it starts going into detail, and I'm again I'm gonna. Avoid for the next about 25, 30 verses trying to identify the exact um, uh, historical events. You're more than welcome to look at the commentaries to see which historical events they're discussing. But here goes. But rather, I'm going to focus on the lesson that we're trying to learn. So you have these four kings scattered around, so then one of them is going to get up. And the king of the south will get up. Minsarov and some of his officers, Vayachazakalov, and 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 there will be like a rebellion within that kingdom. and then he will rule. So in other words, he's talking about in human history we're gonna see some of the kingdoms, there's gonna be uprisings within the kingdom, there's gonna be there's gonna be a king and then someone's gonna kill the king and make a coup and make another government. This is the cycle of history. And then maybe later on, there will be Yitzchabaru, there will be alliances made between some of these kings. How are alliances made? Alliances are often made in those days between marriages, between royal families. So the daughter of the king of the south will come to the king of the north. In order to make an agreement so that they can you know, work things out together and get along. But even though they're going to try to make this alliance, sometimes alliances are strong, but sometimes alliances start fall apart and they're not, and they become a weak alliance, so that the alliance doesn't stand. And then she, together with those that brought her there on this mission, <coughs> will um um will end up uh, uh, needing to uh, um, uh, surrender and, and be given during those times in the future. In other words, there's going to be kingdoms with, with intrigue. There's going to be kingdoms that are going to try to ally themselves, and those, those alliances will fail. And then um, a... Um, from the roots of this kingdom, this is again the southern kingdom, there will another another kingdom will grow out of that. And they will come um, against the armies of the north because now that the 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 messengers that went to make peace ended up being taken away uh, treacherously, so that the alliance was never made. So now there's a fight between those two kingdoms, the south and the north. And he will fight and overpower the north. 
וגם אלוהיהם עם נסיכיהם עם כליכם דסם. And when he makes this fight, what's he going to do? He's going to take all of her, all of their gods and their idols and, and all of, the, all of the, the vessels and statues that, that were part of the culture of the North Kesafizov, the golden and silver Bashvi, and will take it in captivity of him, Mitzrayim will take it to Egypt. Now, Egypt is generally associated with the king of the south. Um, and um, um, and then once he takes all the booty, he'll leave him alone. Um, so eventually the king of the north will try to take revenge and come and attack the south, but then he will end up going back to the north. And then he will pass away, and then his children will start fighting with each other. And they will gather many armies. And they will advance against each other, um, march against each other, sweep through against each other like floods. We, we have often seen uh, an army, uh, large armies rushing across a battlefield as, as a flood. And then, and he would eventually, and then eventually fight, and the fight will be taken all the way to his fortified city, to his uh, to his main forts. And then the king of so what are we seeing here? We're seeing the cycle that goes back and forth: attempted alliances, uh, loyalty and disloyalty, a fight, uh, um, and then a revenge, and then a revenge for the revenge, and then a revenge for the revenge for the revenge, and then we're seeing. Kings die, and then their children go ahead and fight against each other. These are things that are. This, this is a cycle of human history. This is unfortunately the way we are, and this constantly happens, and it won't stop until we recognize that we all need to be in this together and worship this, this single God. But this is the lesson that Daniel is in the middle of learning. He wanted details. Gabriel's giving him details. So the the south will then. Go ahead and, and fight again against the north to take revenge again. But um, and he will bring a large army, but the large army will end up getting captured by the north. Venisa Hamon. And when this what happens when the northern king wins? The now he's gonna become arrogant. And when he becomes arrogant, what does he do? He starts to conquer and kill, and tens of thousands of people he's gonna kill. But in the end, even he, because of his arrogance, even he's going to fail. And why? Because of his arrogance. So Vishav Melech Hatzavon V'hamid Hamon. So then the northern king again will establish a large army. Rav Minarashon even bigger. Ulekets Ha'itim Shanim Yavovo B'chayel Gadol Rav. And after, once he takes his time, several years, to build up all of his military might, then he's going to come and attack the south with... Um, with tremendous, uh, with a tremendous army. In those days, people are going to look at the king of the south and say, um, you know, they're going to know that the north is coming with this huge multitude. So people are going to start rebelling against the king of the south because they're going to see him as weak. And the, um, some of your people, the Jewish people, will try to take advantage of this king of the south, which usually represents Egypt, and say, now that he's weak, we can, we can go ahead and, 
and Lahamid um, Chazon, we can go ahead and, and rebuild our temple and rebuild our kingdom, and we can throw off the yoke. That, that this is certainly Daniel's being reminded of how the Jews were behaving before the first temple was destroyed. We can throw off the yoke of the southern king because he's weak and the northern king is coming. And they're going to make a mistake. They're going to make a big mistake. Because what's going to happen, verse 15, the king of the north will come, and he will throw up uh, uh, ramps and siege siege towers, he will capture um, uh, uh, fortified cities, the power of the south will not stand, and his army will not be able to resist the north. I love Kirtsono. Uh, he, the one who is coming against him, meaning the northern king will do whatever he wants, no one will be able to stand before him. And then the Jews who had been trying to reestablish their kingdom in Judea, he will stand in the beautiful land, the land of Israel, and he is going to destroy it, he will make it. Um, this is often uh, associated with Antiochus Epiphanes of the Greek Empire, who, who went of the Syrian Greek Empire, who ended up um, crushing the, uh, you know, um, making the pe- the people in Judea suffer. Vayasim pan this this right, and then he will set his mind. Now that the Northern Kingdom is all powerful, he will now go ahead and start. He want he want to strengthen his kingdom. And he will, um, and and he will, and in order to strengthen his kingdom, now what one thing he can do is start attacking more. Another way to do it is to make more alliances and bring people because he's so strong. Other countries are going to want to attach them. The Asa, and he's going to try to make alliances. And he will give him the daughters, his daughters in marriage, in order to affect more alliances to be even more powerful. But it will not work because these alliances that will not be reliable. Again, this is talking about some specific events, but also talking about the way the world is going to work for many, many years. They make alliances and they're not reliable. Because chapter 11 is really long, I am going to um, stop here at verse 17 uh, and then We'll continue reading verse 18 till the end um, in 11b together. Um, Thank you so much for studying 11a. Um, uh, Looking forward to studying 11b together as well. Mm -hmm.